Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, welcome to the show, everyone. Hope you are having a great day. A special shout out to Yoshiko. Yoshiko Dart, how are you? You know, Yoshika is a national disability rights leader, and I mention her on every show because of her husband, Justin Dart, the late Justin Dart, who fought the fight for people with disabilities. So, hello, Yoshiko, and wow, what's going on in Ireland? How are you, Ireland, number one out of the 17 countries that listen to the show every single week? I don't know what's going on there, but whatever's going on there, you keep doing what you're doing, fighting the fight for people with disabilities. And to our lead sponsor, Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield, who has sponsored this show for the past three years on Voice America. And you know what? To all of your listeners out there, you all know what I do. You know that I focus on the employment of people with disabilities across the United States and across the world when I go with embassies throughout the world. And I just want to mention about Highmark. They are and have been the company that stood behind me from the beginning of time. And I am so excited today to have Dr. Robert Shokin and Matthew Aaron, Dr. Shokin from Allegheny Health Network. What a pleasure to have you with us today. Uh, Thank you very much, Joyce. I'm glad to be here. Well, you know I love Allegheny Health Network. And I love your CEO, Cindy, who I met not long ago, another great leader for the employment of people with disabilities, and Matthew Aaron, President and CEO of Special Olympics Pennsylvania. Welcome to the show, Matthew. Thanks, Joyce. What a warm welcome. It's great to be with you today. Oh, it's great to have you. Um, Well... As I said, Highmark to me is one of the best companies in America, and Special Olympics is one of the best programs in America. You know, I'm a special friend of Ted Kennedy Jr. and knew his father, Senator Edward Kennedy, and as you know, they were the beginnings of Special Olympics with his Aunt Eunice and love this program, and still, Tim Shriver, still the head of this program, but I'm, I'm going to begin first with Dr. Shulkin, if we can begin with you, but before you do, I almost forgot to tell you, I am live from the Pennsylvania Turnpike Commission in Harrisburg, PA, in Harrisburg, and actually, we are meeting today with Minica Ojo. Okay, now let me tell you about her. She's the Director of Diversity and Inclusion at the Office of Diversity and Inclusion. And guess what? She arranged a meeting with us. Guess what? Because everyone in the Wolf Administration has been committed to the employment of people with disabilities in this state. We are so lucky to have him. And his Lieutenant Governor Fetterman, who I also know, but I'm very proud of this state. One, they have a special supplier diversity mentor protege program, which I am so honored, very honored, that last year I was named as a protege with Highmark. You know why this is so special? How many states in the United States do you think have a supplier diversity program where they include people with disabilities as diversity. Not a lot. And also Governor Wolf has a special set aside for disability on business enterprises and is just all about employment. So here we have another great uh, part of the Wolf Administration, the Pennsylvania Turnpike Commission. I am so honored and lucky to be here today. So, Dr. Shulkin, if we can begin with you, 
Would you tell us about your work at Allegheny Orthopedics Association? Yeah, thank you very much for having me on, Joyce. So I am an orthopedic surgeon at Allegheny General uh, Health, uh, Allegheny General Hospital. Um, I am an orthopedic surgeon, I said, and I am a fellowship-trained uh, orthopedic surgeon in sports medicine. So that means I, I tailor my practice to um, sports injuries. Doesn't matter what age, but uh, mainly sports injuries. Uh, I've been at Allegheny General as a as a uh, physician since 1996, although I did my training, I started there in 1990. Um, So I uh, work at the hospital. Uh, I am part of a training program for orthopedic residents in uh, the department. I also help train our fellows in sports medicine, both uh, primary care doctors and orthopedists. So, as I said, I've been there since 1996. I've been a team doctor for several high schools in the area. I'm also one of the team doctors for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And probably the thing that I'm most proud of is I am the medical director for the Special Olympics uh, Winter Games that are held at Seven Springs every year. Wow. Well, you know what? Cindy Hunderfein, your CEO, heard me speak. And from up front, she said, Joyce Bender, I want to hire people with disabilities from you. I am setting aside positions and met with me and this leadership team because of their commitment. Not many companies that do something like that, and that is why it's such a pleasure to have you uh, with us today. Matthew, first, thank you for your service to our country. You know, my father is 94 years old. Thank God that he's still living. He is a World War II veteran. I know you served in the Navy and retired as a captain. Uh, And my dad was in the Navy and worked on uh, aircraft carriers. Uh, So I'm a Navy person. I'm a Navy person, and I want to thank you for serving our country. Well, thank you, Joyce. Fly Navy. Uh, I was also on aircraft carriers. I started my career uh, as a bombardier navigator on A6s on the America during Desert Storm. So not, not quite old enough to have flown in uh, World War II, but it feels like it some days. <laughs> well, I want to know, how did you in the world go from that to serving as the CEO and president of Special Olympics? Well, it really started early in my Navy career. I got involved in volunteer work in my community and really started enjoying it. And I made a, a mid-career decision. Uh, I left active duty after 12 years and, and then stayed in the reserves. But I left after 12 years uh, specifically to get an MBA with a focus in nonprofit management. And after I graduated, I was fortunate enough to uh, connect with Tim Shriver and Special Olympics. And I worked at the headquarters of Special Olympics uh, in D.C. for three years, uh, about a year of that working directly for Tim. So that was an incredible experience. And then that, that really prepared me uh, for the opportunity here in Pennsylvania. I came here as the CEO back in 2008. And uh, I tell people that I have the greatest job in the world. Isn't he a great person? Tim, he is an awesome person. Tim is an amazing visionary. Um, he is an incredible leader for uh, for our movement. We're lucky to have him. Yes, and so how long did you work in D.C.? Uh, I was there off and on with the Navy, uh, with Booz Allen after I got my MBA for about three years, and then three years at the headquarters of Special Olympics. So I spent quite a bit of time in, in D.C. before coming up here uh, about 11 years ago. Okay. But what caused you to go from Navy to a for-profit company to Special Olympics? What, what was your interest that caused you to go join Special Olympics? It's really the opportunity to make a difference and, and have an impact. And one of the things that I found most um, most moving about Special Olympics is that the mission draws people in. Um, uh, unfortunately, I lost my, my dad to Alzheimer's disease, and I was on the board of the Alzheimer's Association, uh, where I found that everyone connected with the organization was very passionate, uh, but 
almost 100% of the folks involved had a personal connection. And when I came to Special Olympics, I thought, gee, um, I might be a black sheep here because uh, I I don't have a personal connection in my own life to anyone with an intellectual disability, no relative uh, in my family. Um, and I found quite the opposite. And, it, and it's been really compelling that our mission is, is so moving that um, more than half of our staff don't have a personal connection, but yet they've gotten involved and they've really been moved by our mission. And, and I fall in that category as well and uh, really consider myself lucky to be part of this amazing organization. Well, I will just mention that one of, as, as I stated, Bender Consulting focuses on placing people with disabilities across the United States. And people with intellectual disabilities have such a difficult time finding employment. And it is my hope through, through the networking that Special Olympics has that we will be able to start changing that needle because so many people I've met. I have found employment for one person with Down syndrome at, uh, no surprise, Highmark, uh, but I believe there are opportunities for everyone. You know, Valerie Jarrett, I worked with the Obama administration, and Valerie would say there's a job for everyone. Everyone deserves a job, uh, and that is so true. And I have a lot more questions about Special Olympics, but right now we're going to go to break and then we'll be right back. We are talking to Dr. Robert Shulkin from Allegheny Health Network and Matthew Aaron, the president and CEO of Special Olympics Pennsylvania. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at Voice America. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to Disability Matters. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joyce Bender. Hey, welcome back, everyone. We're talking to Dr. Robert Shilkin, orthopedic surgeon at Allegheny Health Network. And Dr. Shilkin, I hope I haven't having to see you in the near future for my problem with arthritis in my knees, but hopefully that's not going to happen right away. Uh, and Matthew Aaron, President and CEO of Special Olympics Pennsylvania. And you know, while we were on break, Matthew and I were talking about the swell to see employment for people with intellectual disabilities. Could you just talk about that one, one second, Matthew? Sure. Uh, I'm personally seeing just a lot of energy uh, around employment issues um, in, I'd say, the last six months or so. It seems like there's been just uh, a groundswell of energy and excitement, which is which is great to see. As as you know, Joyce, uh, the employment statistics for people with disabilities are are pretty dismal compared to the general population. Uh, but there are some bright spots uh, as well. So, uh, as an example, we know that uh, within our population of Special Olympics athletes, uh, their employment rate is about 
twice as high as the rate of employment for the general population of individuals with intellectual disabilities. And I think we can attribute that to some of the positive things that they get out of participating in Special Olympics, just like anyone gets um, those same positive uh, traits of, of leadership and self-discipline and teamwork uh, out of participating in sports. And we're finally seeing the business community and our broader communities catch on to that. Uh, we at Special Olympics were really uh, pleased and honored to host two summits. We're calling them Cities of Inclusion. We hosted a summit in Philadelphia in December, and last week we hosted one in Pittsburgh. And we had great involvement from all different sectors, including uh, Mayor Kenny in Philadelphia and Mayor Peduto in Pittsburgh. We had a lot of employers there at those sessions, and we're seeing uh, just a lot of positive energy from the business sector, looking at this not from uh, a philanthropic point of view, but looking at it through a business lens and making a business case for why hiring people with disabilities makes sense. And so I, I see this continuing to take off, and I, I think there's a lot of great excitement around it. Uh, as I said, Special Olympics is pleased to be a, a part of it, and we're looking forward to partnering with many other organizations to really have a positive impact. Oh, that's wonderful. And you know what? I'm not sure everyone is clear on Special Olympics. So my question is what are the age groups like is there a limit on the age and what disabilities in other words what types of disabilities is it only people with down syndrome it is people with some significant intellectual disability uh what what are the age groups and types of disabilities well, that's a great question because there are a lot of uh, misperceptions out there about Special Olympics and who we are and what we do. So first and foremost, our mission is to provide sports training and competition opportunities to people with intellectual disabilities. So our, um, our mission is focused on people with ID. Uh, the minimum age in our traditional uh, competitive program is eight. There is no upper limit, so we have bowlers in their 80s and 90s who still compete with us. Uh, but we've also, over the last few years, added a young athletes program that now serves ages 2 uh, to 7. So really, just about any age. Uh, we do have individuals with physical disabilities, um, but sometimes, again, we're confused with other organizations um, like the Paralympics uh, that serves people with physical disabilities. Uh, the requirement for us is an intellectual disability, and so some of our athletes uh, may or may not have uh, other disabilities. But the other thing that I wanted to highlight today is a program that we're seeing really starting to take off and that's having an amazing impact, in particular in, in schools, is our unified sports program. And in schools, we have a, a program that we call Unified Champion Schools. That program uh, pairs students with and without intellectual disabilities on teams together, hence the term unified. Uh, and we actually have three components that we're doing in the schools, the unified sports, a unified youth leadership, and whole school engagement piece. And those three components together are having a, a tremendous impact on changing the whole climate and culture in schools. So the thing that you hear educators and administrators talk about in terms of challenges with uh, bullying and violence and discipline and graduation rates, this program is having a tremendous positive impact in changing that. And I think that's what's leading us to see such a strong demand for our program all over the state. Uh, it's now grown here in Pennsylvania to 164 schools. And through the City of Inclusion initiative that I mentioned a minute ago, uh, we're really excited that in the cities of Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, uh, we have commitments to work with them to unify the entire school district. Uh, and that's pretty amazing when you look at the numbers there. In total, across those two cities, that's more than 250 schools. And our plan over the next uh, four to five years is to bring our Unified Champion School program into each and every one of those schools. So. Um, we're, we're um, a program now that has an opportunity really for anyone to be involved. Okay, I have two questions. First, you mentioned that uh, youth program, the Athletes for Youth for Younger People. What is the age on that again? 
Our Young Athlete Program is for 2 to 7. It's primarily a motor skills development program, so they're not actually competing, but it's a great uh, motor skill development and, and socialization program, and it's a great way to get introduced to Special Olympics. Uh, and we also do have some unified Young Athlete prog- uh, Programs. And that program that you were talking about at all of the schools, are you meaning that's people, uh, students without disabilities, with students with disabilities? It absolutely is. So a lot of people, you know, think about, uh, I guess you could say, your, your grandfather's Special Olympics. They think of Special Olympics being only for people um, with disabilities. Through the Unified program, uh, we're bringing students with and without disabilities together. Um, we have an amazing partnership with the PIAA, the Pennsylvania Interscholastic Athletic Association, and also with the Pennsylvania Department of Education. Uh, we have been growing that program uh, statewide in partnership with them. And for those who aren't familiar with the PIAA, they're the organization that hosts uh, all of the varsity athletics. So because of that partnership, our unified program is treated just like any other varsity sport. So for example, we have a unified track and field program uh, that is operating across the state of Pennsylvania now, and the athletes who compete in that program, their teams, their schools, have an opportunity to advance to the PIAA State Boys and Girls Track and Field Championship at Shippensburg University, where the PIAA now runs boys divisions, girls divisions, and unified divisions. So it's been an amazing program, and, and I can't thank the, the PIAA enough for uh, the amazing partnership that we have with them. And you know what? That will help break down barriers uh, in so many ways, and bullying is one of them. So that's so great you're doing that. By the it, way, if I could we... say something, oh, Joyce. Yes. yes. I'm actually a, uh, I got involved in the unified team in my local school district. So I'm a bocce coach, and exactly what Matt had said, um, it's amazing to see the, the Special Olympians and paired up with their partner athletes and how the two groups interact and actually how it brings the whole school. Um, at the school I'm at, you know, they have a, a very large pep rally between, for our bocce matches. Brings the whole school, the other athletic teams come in, and the whole school gets behind our bocce team. It's a, it's a great uh, thing to be involved in. Now, what is that percentage-wise? Is that like 10% are people with intellectual disabilities and the rest are just students at the school? How does that work? The actual bocce team is is 50-50 with our bocce team. 50% are uh, Special Olympians and 50% are their partners. Wow. And let me ask you, as you were indicating, have you seen from the beginning until as you move along a difference in acceptance with the non-disabled students? Oh, from my point as their coach? Yes, I do. I don't. Matt would probably have a better idea since he's been around it longer. Well, I was just going to add... I was just going to add to that to say a- absolutely. We're, we're seeing the culture and the climate in schools change. We're seeing uh, school administrators coming to us looking for this program because of what it's doing in their schools. And, and we're seeing the parents of not the special ed students, but the parents of the gen ed students telling us what an amazing difference this program made for their son or daughter. So, yes, it's having a, an incredible impact. And I want to tell you how that's having future impact. Those non-disabled students will someday be employers. And boy, will they have a different feeling about people with intellectual disabilities. Correct. You know, one of the one of the most powerful things, I think, out of this program, you know, we can, we can talk about statistics and things like that because those are important, but one of the most powerful things that we see coming out of this is genuine friendships. The most basic thing that, that anyone wants when you see our unified uh, teammates, and, and that's exactly what they are, they're teammates, you see some of the stereotypes go away, you see the barriers and the walls come down, and you see simple things like special ed students and gen students sitting together in the lunchroom and eating together 
or passing each other in the hallway and high-fiving each other. It's those really simple things, but really profound impact things uh, of basic friendships that come out of this program. You know what? I wish they did that across the United States, not just with people with intellectual disabilities, but across the board, because students with disabilities are bullied more than any other group. And with Facebook today uh, and Instagram and Snapchat and Twitter, I mean, it's horrific what some students go through. Sadly, some have taken their own life. And I have always said, if you could pair up those kids with disabilities with kids without disabilities, I believe it would make such a difference in reducing bullying. So I hope that they use your example, which I think is phenomenal. But right now, we've got to go to news break. As you know, on the half hour, we have a news break every week with Perry Jude Radisic, who is the CEO of Disability Rights PA, to make sure we know what is going on in the news nationally in the world of disability. Perry, welcome to the show. Hey, Joyce. Thank you so much. Uh, it's uh, good to... Uh, hear everyone talk about uh, employment of people with disabilities in Special Olympics. Uh, Today, uh, we're going to talk about voting again. Uh, It's important to continue to raise the issue of voting reform uh, because state legislatures are discussing the issue. Uh, We've, again, talked about this before, and uh, we're going to continue to talk about this. Today in Pennsylvania... One of our uh, government committees in the Senate held a hearing on a series of voting reform bills that would expand access to voting in Pennsylvania. And so while I'm talking about this in Pennsylvania, what I want advocates to know is that this is not just happening in Pennsylvania. Voting reform legislation and uh, issues related to new voting equipment and paying for voting equipment This is happening across the country. So the issues here in Pennsylvania are not unique to us. So Disability Rights Pennsylvania went to testify today at the hearing to share our perspective from the disability community. And the series of bills included proposals that would expend access to absentee ballots by creating a permanent absentee ballot list Uh, by allowing people in the disability community to make it easier for us to vote. Uh, It would, uh, there was a proposal to allow curbside voting. Now, we had some issues with this because we're concerned that a bill that would allow curbside voting uh, would allow counties to uh, get away with not making polling places accessible. So we actually were... um, uh, raising concerns about a bill that allows curbside voting uh, because while you can have curbside voting, we don't want that to be an excuse for people to uh, not uh, in, to, to make sure that uh, polling places were uh, accessible. So you, we've got to watch for those kinds of issues. So uh, uh, we also want to make sure uh, that... Um, uh, that some of the other issues like transportation and the voting machines uh, remain accessible. One issue here is hand-marked uh, paper ballots. Uh, some uh, activists want to see hand-marked paper ballots. Well, we know hand-marked paper ballots are not accessible to people with disabilities. And so if a county moves to allow hand-marked paper ballots, then uh, where does that leave accessibility for people with disabilities? Well, it might be one machine off in a corner that maybe the election officials know how to use, maybe they don't. And then we're back to uh, square one for people with disabilities and access to voting. So, again, advocacy matters. 
we have to be ever vigilant in uh, accessible voting and access to the ballot and polling places so not every voting reform bill is going to be good for people with disabilities and we have to make sure we're vigilant uh, with bills that move through the state legislature. So it's happening here in Pennsylvania, Joyce. It's happening in other states across the country and we wanted to make sure people stay ever vigilant with election reform bills. Okay, well, what about people with intellectual disabilities? Yes, uh, that's uh, an issue that varies from state to state. In some states, uh, there are uh, people with intellectual disabilities, people under guardianship have the right to go and vote. Um, They can have uh, people assist them if they want to, or they can just go vote on their own without any assistance. Then there are barriers to voting. You could have a limited guardianship in some states uh, and still have the right to vote. You could have a guardianship in some states and lose the right to vote. So it varies from state to state. Wow. Uh, One last question. At the last presidential election, a lot of people with disabilities that went to vote, I'll never forget this, were all calling because there were not enough paratransit vehicles. Will we be working on that uh, in this election? Yes. A- absolutely. The most important thing, well, well, first, yes, we will send a notice out, at least in Pennsylvania, to paratransit agencies to make sure they notify their clients uh, to, uh, uh, to, as to the deadlines uh, to uh, schedule their rides prior to election day. But it's really important, and this is where advocacy matters, that people understand, be their own best self-advocate, pay attention to when you have to vote, the deadline for voting, and to schedule that ride. So know when your uh, election, your primary election day is, know when your general election date is, and then schedule your paratransit ride around that so you don't miss your chance to go vote. Oh, that is awesome. And uh, disabilityrightspa.org, if you go there, all of this information is on the website, correct? That's right, Joyce. DisabilityRightsPA.org, and we have this information up on our website. And also, there's a, you can make a donation. So, Perry, thank you so much for being with us. I appreciate you keeping us up to date and being an advocate on Advocacy Matters. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks. We'll talk to you next week. Okay. Uh, we, Dr. Shulkin, how about you? What caused you? What was the reason you got involved in Special Olympics? So I, like Matt, had no, um, no personal connection with anybody with an intellectual disability. But a good friend of mine, Dr. Uh, Linda Myers, is an athletic trainer who has worked with Special Olympics of Pennsylvania for about 30 years, asked me about five years ago if I would become the medical director for the Winter Games uh, of uh, Pennsylvania held at Seven Springs. So that's how I got into it. I, I didn't know what to expect that first year at Seven Springs. And, you know, I counted on Linda, who had many years of experience with this, to kind of guide me along, even though I was going to be the medical director. Um, But I'll tell you, uh, once I got into doing that that first year, I realized that this is something, you know, I really, you know, I really fell in love with it, really wanted to to continue my role and expand my role. Um, You know, I, I told you I'm involved with athletes and uh, you know, these are all athletes, all of different ages at uh, the Winter Games. Uh, uh, the youngest one I had that first year, he was 13, and the oldest was in her 60s, still downhill uh, skiing. And, you know, I realized just being there that, you know, they're all athletes, just like the athletes that I take care of at other high schools. Um, they still compete. They, you know, they want to compete. They, they want to do well, um, 
And that was probably the first thing I realized is they're athletes just like anybody else, and you just have to uh, take care of them. Um, sometimes it's a little bit more difficult uh, with the athletes. They may not be communicative. Um, you may have to, you know, talk to them in a different manner to kind of put them at ease uh, and uh, have them begin to talk to you. But uh, again, they, it just falls back to their athletes and we got to treat them like athletes and do what I would for any other athlete that I take care of at high schools or in the professional realm. Well, I have to guess that this probably has a significant impact on you working with Special Olympics. Uh, could you talk about that for a minute? Oh, oh, yeah, greatly impacted me. Um, from that first moment, I was at Seven Springs and saw these athletes and saw what they did, um, uh, saw how they competed, they skied, they cross-country skiing, uh, ice skating. Uh, it was phenomenal just watching them want to compete out there. Um, I knew from that moment that I wanted to continue and one of the things I, I really knew I wanted to do was to get more people like myself involved in this. So that has become one of my missions with being with the Special Olympics is to get my residents and our, our fellows, our trainees involved. So I every year bring up um, our primary care sports medicine fellows with me to the Special Olympics Games. And they get to experience what it's like to be part of those games and see what this is all about. And I have to say every year uh, for the past five years, the fellows have left and um, they have enjoyed it um, and have wanted to continue on. And I'm, I'm proud to say we have two of my former fellows who are now going on to um, leadership positions uh, in the Special Olympics. Um, one, Dr. Jason Fronzik, has agreed to run um, one of our MedFest, which is a healthy uh, athletes initiative where we do pre-participation physicals on the athletes. So he is taking over a leadership role in that uh, aspect here in uh, Western Pennsylvania. Um, so he's one of our uh, residents from a few years ago. Go uh, This year, Dr. Betsy Reese is uh, moving back to Salt Lake City. She uh, was an Air Force doctor uh, who's now separated uh, from the Air Force, going into private practice out there. Uh, she called out to the Salt Lake City area, and she is now going to be the medical director for their fall um, games in Salt Lake City. So that is one of my goals that I have wanted to accomplish is to get people more involved in the medical field with Special Olympics and, and see what this, you know, what a great organization Special Olympics is and what, you know, great people the athletes are in this. So that has affected me greatly to, to get them involved and to have them spread, you know, to spread this to other, you know, other medical professionals. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, the next question I wanted to ask you, actually, uh, Matthew and Dr. Shulking, you can both comment on, um, and that is, and by the way, I hear this from people with disabilities all the time, that people are concerned that they are not receiving the same medical care as people without disabilities. Uh, and Matthew, I'll start with you. What's your opinion about that? Well, we actually have now the scientific research that Special Olympics has gathered over uh, quite a few years now to show that that's unfortunately not the case. And so if I could, I'd, I'd like to share uh, some, some myths that people have and then what we found through our research. So the first one is uh, the general population people believe that people with intellectual disabilities have better access to health care than people without intellectual disabilities. Uh, people think about it that they're, they're a special population, so they must have better health care, right? Well, we found through our research that, of course, uh, we know that that's not 
not true, they, they face significant barriers uh, accessing health care. And in fact, we know that people with intellectual disabilities are two times more likely to die before the age of 50 than adults without intellectual disabilities. Um, and that leads into the second myth, which is that when people hear about those premature deaths, they also then assume that that must be due to factors associated with their disability. And the, the fact uh, of that is that the majority of premature deaths for people with intellectual disabilities are actually due to a lack of healthcare access and utilization. Um, and then finally, the third myth, and I'll, I'll actually loop this back to uh, giving Dr. Shulkin and, and his colleagues a shout out. Uh, the final myth is that people assume that healthcare professionals uh, are well prepared and receive training uh, to treat people with intellectual disabilities. And what we found through our research, research is actually that the majority of healthcare professionals uh, don't receive education or training on how to treat people with intellectual disabilities. So we're really grateful to folks like Dr. Myers and Dr. Shulkin who come out and help. And what we found is that through volunteering for Special Olympics, uh, 84% of those healthcare professionals who have volunteered uh, then feel better uh, prepared and, and better equipped to treat people with disabilities. Wow, uh, that's great information. How about you, Dr. Shulkin? What do you think? Um, I can't agree more with what Matt said. Um, you know, from the medical side of it, I really do feel we need to do more training of our residents and fellows and already attendings like myself uh, because there's another stat out there that uh, Special Olympics had, uh, had uh, uh, talked to the deans of med schools and about 52% of the deans from med schools felt that the trainees coming out really weren't competent to take care of people with intellectual disabilities. So we need to do a much better job of training our medical personnel, be it doctors or nurses or medical assistants, dentists, whatever it may be. We need to do a better job with training those people to deal and interact with people with intellectual disabilities. Uh, and you know why I brought that up. People that I know with other disabilities sometimes have issues such as people who are deaf uh, when they go and the doctor does not provide an interpreter. So I can't imagine for someone with an intellectual disability that is also deaf. So uh, Dr. Shulkin, I have to compliment you. No surprise since it's Allegheny Health Network but I want to compliment you for the work you're doing, and I hope you become a leader in America for what you're doing today. Oh, thank you very much. I, I would very much like to do that, and partnering with Matt and all of his uh, uh, people with Special Olympics Pennsylvania has uh, really helped me to, uh, to you know, push that along and with their help and with the help of everybody at, uh, at Highmark and Allegheny General, yes, I would like to, you know, really push this along in this side of the city, uh, this side of the state, I should say, and that was part of this Cities of Inclusion. Uh, we had a health forum, and that was one of our top um, uh, agenda items was to do this. Well, with Highmark... An Allegheny Health Network, I have no doubt in my mind that that will continue. Now, Dr. Shokin, I have to just go off here for one minute off our subject and tell you, you better take care of those Pittsburgh Pirates because I am obsessed with the Pittsburgh Pirates. So I expect you to take good care of them. Can you promise me that? I promise myself and all my other partners who uh, take care of the pirates, the athletic trainers, we, we are trying our best. They're, they're, they're taxing us at this point in time, but we are, we are working hard to keep them out in the field. I know. They have to stop having all these injuries, but I, I, know, they're, I know they're in good hands with you. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be looking all the time. Hey, is Dr. Shokin doing his job? I want them back off that disabled list in a few days. Well, we will certainly continue to do our best to get them back out in the field. 
Well, I know you will. I am obsessed with the Pirates, and I am a friend of Clint Hurdle and of several of the people uh, involved with the Pirates. And one of my greatest thrills was when I was at church, and who walks by? But Andrew McCutcheon. Of course, I'm not happy right now because he's playing for the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, but, you know, just what a great team. And you know what? I have a question for both of you. I am sure that there is like one person, one event that impacted you the most at Special Olympics. So, Dr. Shulkin, I'll start with you. Boy, it has to go back to that first year that I started at Special Olympics. Uh, I'm a skier, so I was out on the slopes uh, with the athletes over on the intermediate hill, and uh, one of our athletes uh, went down uh, skiing down there, and uh, his name is Brooks. And, uh, you know, I helped the ski patroller get him on the sled. Unfortunately, we had to take him off on a sled and and uh, get him looked at and and uh, Brooks had a pretty serious knee injury. Uh, he's not from this side of the state. He's from over on the eastern side of the state. But uh, lucky for him, he found a doctor who took care of his knee. And Brooks is now back skiing again. So every year I see Brooks. Um, he comes up to me, gives me a big hug. You know, we talk about how he's doing and what he's up to and, you know, what other sports he's doing when it's not Winter uh, Olympics. So uh, I think Brooks is my biggest memory of the uh, of the Special Olympics, just being a friend with him, helping to take care of him, and to see him get back out there and compete. Wow. I can imagine. I can imagine the impact that had on you. How about you, Matthew? Well, I'd like to end today on a, on a positive note. We've talked about some challenges on the call today, which, of course, are, are really important to talk about, things like employment and, and health disparities. But we have a, a very lengthy mission statement at Special Olympics, and the one word in that mission statement that jumps out at me is joy. And so I, I want to share a, a quick story about joy. Uh, a few years ago when we were starting our Unified Champion School program in Philadelphia, the program that I described earlier, uh, we were having a spring soccer practice, and it was one of those cold, windy, rainy, you know, pretty nasty spring days. Not, not really a good, pleasant day to play soccer. But this was our very first scrimmage day, and we had an athlete there uh, who was from a school that, uh, an inner city school that actually doesn't even exist anymore. It was closed a few years ago. Uh, but this athlete, Yadira, uh, was out there for her first uh, opportunity to scrimmage in soccer. And one of our staff talked to her at the end of the scrimmage. And her quote that day was, this was the greatest day of my life so far. Oh. And when we have that kind of impact on students, um, that's really what it's all about. And uh, one of the things that I, I like to share with people when I, I have an opportunity to go speak to groups is our Special Olympics athletes don't want to be special. They want to be just like anyone else. They want the same opportunities, whether that's to play on a sports team, whether that's to get a job, to have health care, or, or the most simple of things like we talked about earlier, just to have friends and be part of a team. And so that's what we do at, at Special Olympics. And I hope uh, through sharing some of our stories today that we uh, inspired uh, some of your listeners. And I hope that if folks are interested in learning more, uh, they'll go out to our website, which is specialolympicspa.org, uh, or some of the things that we've talked about, the cities of inclusion, our healthy athlete work, our unified champion schools. That's all part of a broader initiative that we call the Inclusion Revolution. And we actually set up a website for that that campaign called inclusionrevolutionpa.org. And so I hope uh, some folks will go check that out and, and even come out and get involved like Dr. Shulkin did. Uh, what is that website again? Uh, our website is specialolympicspa.org, and the Inclusion Revolution campaign site is inclusionrevolutionpa.org. And uh, Matthew, how does someone make a contribution? Well, 
uh, on our website and on the Inclusion Revolution PA site, there are links. So people can make uh, a donation. They can download a form and send in a check. Um, so thank you for that, that opportunity. We would certainly appreciate uh, the support from uh, your listeners to help us continue do what, doing what we're doing all over the state. Well, you know what I always say about that? I say, you have these great organizations, and people will say, wow, what they are doing is so important. But you know what? It takes money to do those things. It takes money. And uh, and it isn't an easy thing. I always say that someone that runs a not-for-profit, they can't do this Without money, it's still, they still have to have a profit at the end of the day, or how are they going to do any of these programs? So once again, make sure you consider to make that contribution today. Uh, Matthew, do you have a message you want to leave with our listeners? Well, Joyce, I appreciate the opportunity to be here with you today, and um, I'd like to thank, I'm sure many of your listeners out there are probably Special Olympics volunteers. Uh, We serve 20,000 athletes all over the state of Pennsylvania, and we do that with more than 30,000 volunteers, folks just like Dr. Shulkin. Uh, They're the most amazing individuals that I've ever met. We have the most uh, incredible volunteers, so I want to give a huge shout out to our volunteers, our coaches, uh, our medical volunteers, our board members, everyone who helps make Special Olympics possible. So thank you for the chance to be here with you today and, and talk a little bit about what we're doing. And uh, I hope folks will get inspired and, and come join and be part of the inclusion revolution with us. And how about you, Dr. Shulkin? What message do you have? Uh, I would say to people out there, similar line, uh, get involved. Uh, once you get involved with Special Olympics and with the athletes, uh, you will love it and you will want to do as much as you can uh, for the organization and particularly for the athletes. So it's just get involved, look to your local Special Olympics program. Uh, you know, you, there's a job for anybody out there in Special Olympics. So all you have to do is sign up and get there and you will love it. Well, thank you, both of you, for the great work that you're doing. It was a pleasure having you on the show today. And you know what? We end every show with a quote. And today it is the key is recognizing that you are more beautiful than you dare imagine and that you have to be afraid of nothing in sharing yourself with the world, says Timothy Shriver. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Join me next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.